being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Welcome back. That video and intro always gets me very excited. Uh, as always, my name is Jack for the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast and as always Alistair my friend in Adelaide is with us Andy listeners don't worry I'm about to uh, take myself out of the host seat again Andy's back with us post haste as he recovers from his European sojourn of six to seven weeks so we very much look forward to having him back but what was that Alistair you're gonna say something no no we're looking forward to getting him back let's get into it we've got our guests (laughs) that's right so um, just like last week, this is our second episode of our guest series. We are very, very privileged and honoured, I would say. Um, we've been watching these guys for a, for, for a long time as well. We have Dan and Jake from Chargers Unleashed. Thanks Ooh. for coming on, guys. What's going on? What's happening, boys? What is yeah. going on, man? I got to tell you, that intro fired me up. I'm like, bring on football. Let's yeah. go. Oh. Jack yeah. Let's Alistair, go. happy to be on here with you guys. How are you guys? Yeah, really awesome, well, man. man. Really, really well. Um, we were just commenting before we jumped on the show. It's sort of early morning for us, but it's Friday afternoon, the best time of the week for you guys. Knock off um, beers. Yeah, knock off beers, bit of whiskey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> whiskey Andy, in the coffee. Yep. <laughs> cheers, cheers. Yes. Um, no, but thank you so much um, for coming on. Uh, but I reckon we just jump straight into it. So today, listeners, what we've got, just a couple of segments. Um, we're going to do something called Charges State of the Union, where we're just going to have a conversation for about, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. Um, we've all got some points to bring to the table. And um, obviously, we're sort of the goal is to have a bit of a positive um, and constructive uh, conversation about how Staley and, and, and the team... Might not be looking... completely positive. We'll see how we go. Yep. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Yeah. We try and keep it positive as much as we can, uh, which will be a bit of fun. Um, and then we've got a segment called Just Give Me 30, where I have done some digging and tried to find the most unique questions that teams have asked prospects. Uh, and some of them uh, the, the guys have seen, some of them haven't, so that should be a bit of fun. And then we're going to finish off with our uh, famous Thunder Down Aussie quiz. So, without much further ado, let's get into the Chargers State of the Union. Thought I put hail to the chief in there. Um, we don't have anything like that in Australia. We don't have a state no. a very. We don't have a speech like that. A very famous. It's ACDC, the, isn't it? Hail to the <laughs> chief. Hey, no, we got to yeah. come up with a different name than hail to the chief. So hail, hail, hail to the king from Avenged Sevenfold. You could have rolled some of that in there. <laughs> we, we could have. Yeah. Um, so Dan, I'm going to start with you. Um, what's your What's the first point you're going to bring to the table in this State of the Union discussion? You know, it's an interesting topic, and I'm glad you brought this up because I think a lot of times people, and myself included in this, our heads are in the clouds. We're so excited about all the things that are great about this team and all the improvements. But I do think it is important, and we're going to talk about this, like some of the things that maybe 
are issues that could likely come into play this season, or maybe the way I kind of see it as like unanswered questions, if you will. And Jake and I have talked about it a couple times, um, but I don't know if we've really extrapolated on it. So I'm glad we're doing it here. This is your for moment. Me, for <laughs> me, this is the moment for me. And it's, I'm, it feels weird. It feels like all tingly inside that I'm being the pessimistic person here for a change. Um, okay. But I'm, I'm going go to go with core issues that I have for this team to look out for. And I'm begging that they actually fix this is the running game, both offense and defense, mm. and yeah. then the tight end depth. And I'll start with the mm. running game for a bit, just to kind of showcase exactly how bad that was. Like last year, for example, 29th in the NFL in, ru- in rushing, this Chargers team was third worst in the NFL, just a shade under 90 yards per game. And they were the fourth worst in yards per attempt at 3.8. That gives Justin Herbert close to nothing to help him when he's trying to bleed the clock, i.e. look at the Jacksonville game. When they're trying to, you know, salt games away, the running game isn't doing it. And then you flip it over to the other side, stopping the run. We all have talked about how awful this run defense was last year. And they got a little better towards the end of the season, but then it crept back up in that Jacksonville game. And looking at this Chargers defense against the run, fifth most rushing yards allowed in the entire NFL, worst in the NFL in allowing the entire NFL <laughs> to run rampant on them. 5.4 yards per attempt by far. The most yards per attempt in the NFL allowed last year. Running both offense and defense has to get fixed. I'll stop there before we get to the tight end. Those two for me, I don't necessarily know if it's going to be that bad, but that is probably the biggest question mark for me that will keep this team from going to the next level. If they can't fix the running game and if they can't stop the run, they're going to be stalled in their tracks. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a simple sport when it comes down to it, isn't it? So that, that's your kind of building blocks. If you're leaky up front, if you're porous in the guts, as we like to say in Australia, or in the trenches uh, in, in the States, you, you can't really get off the ground. I think you, I agree completely, Dan, but we need to acknowledge that at least I think philosophically, there's an element where in the modern game, teams are looking to start by stopping the pass and passing well. And that's okay. The Fangio kind of scheme of defense wants to prioritize not letting these big plays down the field. Okay, we'll give up some runs as long as you don't get into the end zone. And then we saw with the Lombardi kind of offense in New Orleans, always pass-centric, right? All those years with Drew Brees, you're looking at 65 to 35 splits. But the problem, I think, is the team wasn't doing those things as well as they should have either. So the Chargers were letting up the big pass, right? They were giving up the big touchdowns. So they weren't even good at what they wanted to be good at. And then, as you've just pointed out, amongst the worst you'll ever see in terms of stopping the run. So I totally agree. But maybe some of it is injury-related. Who knows? What, what do you other two think? Go ahead, Dan. This one's your subject. Oh, I already talked about mine. Look, I, I think, the, I mean, yes, injury, of course, is an issue. We know. Um, but there's only so much of that mm. that you can use as an as an excuse like it's it's a fact but regardless even when those guys were healthy they still were giving up chunk yardage on the ground all the time they cycled through them all year now put my optimistic hat on for a second they have now scott matlock they've got gerard clark they've got health now otito's now healthy they're bringing back uh austin johnson they've got like they've got guys now that in theory should be able to assist with that and they've they've added girth to the inside Will it help? I'm not sure. Morgan Fox returns. Like you're seeing 
uh, Tuli Tupelo, too, who's kind of like that tweener type, if you will, hybrid defender. Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, both of those guys good against the run. Again, you can't overstate how important it is to get Joey Bosa back. Yeah. So health is important, and they're adding girth, and they're adding players. Will it come to fruition? That's the question. It's I, I find that it's interesting, and I do wonder that last year, did Staley put so much on Joey Bosa setting that edge? Because once Joey left, that edge was so, so leaky. Just remember those outside runs. I remember Alistair, Andy, and I having these conversations going, if we get beaten for another outside run, I outside the tags, I think I'm going to punch something or throw something at a wall, which I you did. do regularly in Chargers <laughs> games. I do. It's a pillow. Don't worry. I didn't hurt anyone. Um, grievous pillow, bodily harm or whatever. Um, but so I think that what's kind of interesting is that Derwin James has been playing up in the line and we've seen footage of him learning uh, pass rushing moves and perhaps is, is he going to be that extra piece that if Joey or Mac go down, that there's going to be that uh, this, uh, there's a little bit more solidity at the edges there, but um, and Kendricks, I think might make a big difference in the middle of yeah. that, of, of, of that defense too. his attack on the run. And whilst he doesn't necessarily penetrate the line of scrimmage, he's so quick to read where that run is going. And instead of going for, you know, 90 ish yards, hopefully it's only going for <laughs> that five to five yards tops. Um, Jake on to you. What's the, what's, what's sort of a, a, a part of the state of the charges union that you wanted to bring up? You know, leave it to Dan Walkenstein to make me proud for about two seconds because he says, like, I'm going to actually talk about something negative for a change. You know, really builds up, you know, me feeling proud with him having that type of mindset. And then what does he do two seconds later? He actually takes my idea bubble, pops it, because that was exactly what I was going to talk about originally. So now I have to shift gears here. And let's flip it over to something that Dan loves to talk about, and that's Kellen Moore. And I'll say this from the standpoint that I was extremely critical of Joe Lombardi and this offense last year. And it just didn't seem like to me that even though, and this kind of even touches on what Dan was talking about, there's only so many things that you can blame injuries for. The good coaches, the good coordinators, they figure out ways to overcome that. They game plan for that. And it just seemed too many times from a week in and week out basis that the Chargers from an offensive standpoint, whether they had the lead or not, just went back to their same old routine. Obviously, they couldn't get anything going in the running game. That hindered their overall offense in a big, big way. From a passing standpoint, I don't think that they utilized Herbert in the best possible way in getting him outside the pocket where he could throw really, really well, where he's shown that. Obviously, the rib injury probably had something to do with that for a long period of time. But I just thought that the overall game plan that Joe Lombardi came in too many times. I personally thought that the best coach games that the Chargers had throughout the entirety of the season was the Rams game where they finally got a blowout win. And then yep. that game in Miami, I thought was a great game plan that they came mm-hmm. with. And nobody was expecting them to win that particular game. So with Kellen Moore now inserted in this offense, you've already kind of heard it and seen it from the players, namely Corey Lindsley, talking about this running game has to get better. Didn't mince words, basically just said it sucked last year. It's, it's hard to see how much worse this Chargers running game could be. So the only direction to go from here is basically up. Um, I'm excited to see what Austin Eckler and Isaiah Spiller can be in a Kellen Moore-led offense, a la Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. And now that you have arguably the best assortment of weapons for Justin Herbert, Dan was going to talk about the tight ends two seconds ago. 
it's funny, you go around these wide receivers and it's almost like the tight end is a forgotten position when, you, when you're done naming all the weapons. If yeah. you can get an offense, and this is why Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in the league because it does not matter who Patrick Mahomes is going to throw to. If it's your third string tight end, your fifth string wide receiver, he's going to find ways for these guys to get involved. So if you can come up with a game plan for these guys and go six deep at wide receiver and still have three or four tight ends on this, on this roster contributing before you even start talking about Austin Eckler in this running game, that's going to be extremely hard for opposing defenses to defend. So I understand the hype for Kellen Moore. It's no question why the chargers jumped on the opportunity to get him as soon as he was released from the Dallas Cowboys. So that's something that I know has a lot of people excited. And I think to build on that, because that ties it in really nicely Dan's discussion about tight ends and why is the tight end cupboard looking maybe a little bare. I was listening to Bucky Brooks on Move the Sticks podcast talking about when he used to um, play with Mike Holmgren. And when he was he was uh, famous for getting up there and saying, when we want to structure our offense, who are your best five players? Write their names down. Okay, that's the personnel grouping we're going to utilize most often. And I know a lot of Chargers fans were saying, well, look at Kellen Moore when he was in Dallas they ran a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends, but the Chargers only have really, you know, one tight end. How's it going to work? Are we going to sign one in free agency? I think Callum Moore is an adaptable coach who's going to look at this roster and say, who are the best players? You've got Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Quentin Johnston, maybe Palmer. We are an 11 personnel football team. So I expect what we're going to see is a lot more of this proliferation of three wide receivers, maybe some four wide receiver sets, and then maybe that paves over or masks over the fact that the tight end room is not as deep as some others in the league. What do you think, Dan? It's a really good point, Austin. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, We've seen uh, Brett Coleman do a great video on kind of how the Chargers and Kellen Moore are looking to play and what their offense would most likely look like. And, you know, 11 personnel, 12 personnel – I do think that they're, that Kellen Moore is adaptable and is going to utilize the strengths of this team, which I think at this point on offense would probably be the wide receiver depth. That said, though, I, I do think that Kellen Moore's offense relies on the tight end production. And that's the question mark, and that's kind of the concern that I have. And no one really talks about the production of that tight end group and how lacking it was on the whole. And, you know, we talk about, like, Gerald Everett, in my opinion. Like, Gerald Everett, I thought, did pretty good given what he was given. And, unfortunately, like, the underbelly of the tight end group just isn't there. And it's thin at best. And it wasn't addressed in the offseason. wasn't addressed in the draft. There's still free agency available, but, like, we're still waiting. But just for context, like, last season, for example, Gerald Everett, starting tight end, 58 receptions, 555 yards, and four touchdowns. Like, that's not bad. 58 receptions when you have an offense like Justin Herbert, you got Keenan Allen, you got Mike Williams, you got all those guys. Like, And the part that's hard for me to fathom is when you look underneath that, the entire tight end group underneath Gerald Everett had just 25 receptions total. Donald Parham had 10. Trey McKitty had 10. Stone Smart had four. And Richard Rodgers had one. Like, I know there are injuries, but you'd say, okay, well, if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are hurt, then you should have more tight ends. Okay, well, if, you know, if Donald Parham was hurt for a while, which he was, then Trey McKinney should have more. That just didn't happen. And when you fast forward to this year, and you fast forward to looking at what needs to be fixed on this offensive line, needs to get fixed in the running game, 
tight end is a big position to do that. And I will be shocked mm. if we don't see more production from the tight end group as a whole. But if you don't, I think that's a concern. And I think that's something that Chargers fans should look for because at the end of the day, like tight ends can block. They can also catch passes. But if they're not doing either, what are we doing? Yeah, um, maybe we ask that question of Trey McKitty. Hopefully he develops into and, and, and does something as well. Parham, as you said, Dan, very unfortunate with his head injury um, a number of, what was it, a season ago or so, and he's just coming back. Gerald Everett, you're right, was good. You know, other than that, um, he turned the other way in that KC game, which led to the 99-yard uh, of course, of course, right? Like, of course, that, the one yeah. time that like, he had ah. to turn, uh, what does he turn outside instead of inside or inside instead of outside? But um, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating, some might say that the tight end position is like the linebacker position on defense. It's kind of mm. forgotten in this weird way. And the team or Staley's uh, approach to team building is happy with the holes or the, the lack of depth at those two positions. Um, I guess, Alistair, I'll, I'll, before I jump onto you, because I mentioned Staley before, now mm. I'd be really interested to get your opinion, Jake and Dan, on Staley himself. First year Staley, guns out, six shooters, bang, 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 we're going for it. Fourth down, let's go, baby. Does not matter. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And as hard as that was to, uh, I guess, as a fan, you know, because the NFL is naturally conservative when it, appro- when it comes to approaching these situations. Where I got used to it. And I was like, this is awesome. All right, cool. Let's go. Let's live by the sword, die by the sword. It was, you know, we talked a lot about it last season on the pod that Staley seemed to be almost the pendulum swung back. The, not, not the whole way, but definitely went back towards the more conservative side. So third year... I perhaps predict or am thinking about seeing a great kind of dynamism in how Staley manages the game. He's had 24 months to, to understand what it's like being a head coach now. It's that third year that he's getting the mastery of the sideline. He's probably got a better... He's got a better line of information with Kellen Moore. They're probably more on the same page than perhaps he and Lombardi were, even though they were really um, Staley and Lombardi were really good mates. So, uh, Jake, I'll start with you. Where, where do you see Staley falling? Are we going to see a see season one Staley more aggressive, or do you think we'll we'll see sort of a balance in the middle somewhere? Man, I think he's ready to have fun at this point. I tell Dan this all the time. You know, is he a flawless head coach? No, not by any means. He has he's made plenty of mistakes, whether it means in-game calls, certain players playing probably when they shouldn't at certain points in time. But to me, I think the biggest thing that you kind of got from Staley in year one was like, yeah, it was a big surprise. And at the same time, as exciting as it was, you know, everybody was just sweating their balls off. Just like, <laughs> what is like, like, Oh my God, is he going to complete this? And then of course you see Justin Herbert just going on just... fourth down routes on fourth and 17 and somehow completing all this. And it's just like, it's madness and it's exciting. And then the next year comes. And then of course he pulls back on the stick a little bit. And then everybody starts tweeting. He's like, well, the analytics said that you should have gone for it. And then just like, you were criticizing him in year one yeah, for going yeah. for it too much, but now you're going to say that the analytics are correct in year two. Here's where I think the difference is. Staley needs to improve one thing that he has not improved on enough in his first two years is more production on first down. Because if he can get himself into more fourth and short situations, I guarantee you're going to see more of those situations come back. It's the hold your breath on a fourth and eight to hope that it gets converted. But the problem is the Chargers have not been able to move the ball that well in on early downs enough to get that. I like what Dan brought this up is just after Kellen Moore was hired is that 
it's not going to be a Joe Lombardi offense where they're going to try to matriculate their way down the field, eat up the clock. Where Kellen Moore, as Dan said, basically just, hey, if it takes one down to get to the end zone, I'm going to go for it. So I think that the overall offense as a whole is going to really change. And when you have someone with the record of uh, the resume of what Kellen Moore did in Dallas, I think it's going to provide a whole slew of opportunities for this offense to be the word that we would all be looking for more aggressive. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's an interesting question and you know, it's, it's, it's easy to forget like the human aspect in all of this for a head coach. And, you know, you look at the first year, you know, first year head coach, you know, you got this phenom quarterback, you know, that year, remember that team was relatively healthy. Like was one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. And, you know, they just missed the playoffs that week 18 debacle with the, with the Raiders, but like they were just slinging it. And he was just like, you know what? I'm reckless, but let's go for it. Last year, like I might be, you know, this, I might be a little biased because I watch chargers. I follow them. I cover them. I can't think of a more tumultuous season in terms of like headwinds on the field than what the Chargers endured last year when it comes to injuries, you know, puck luck, if you will, when it comes to just like unfortunate circumstances, like it was bad and how they had to kind of weather that storm and how a head coach has to weather that storm. Like, yeah, you got to put a brave face on sure. But like that takes its toll. At some point, when you lose all your bullets, like you can only be so aggressive with the guys you have. Like, what do you expect Michael Bainey to do on fourth and eight? Like, it's it's mm. just you know, it's kind of hard. And so, not, not run an end around. That's right. that's that's why <laughs> I do that. Yeah, like you're relying on like on like Michael Bandy and and DeAndre Carter, and you're relying on Trey McKitty, and you're relying on you know Josh Palmer to be a wide receiver one, and you got a quarterback with broken ribs, and you don't have a left tackle, like. It goes on and on and on. All of that behind an offensive coordinator who doesn't stretch the field, given who the talent is. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to imagine Brandon Staley not saying now, okay, look, we've got our guys back. We added Darius Davis. We've got Jalen Guyton back. We got Quentin Johnston now. Our offensive line's healthy. I finally got a genius on offense with Kellen Moore running the plays. Like, you know what? Screw it. I got all the flack. I got all this pressure on me to succeed. Let's go guns blazing. Like if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out with number 10 and go out being aggressive because that's yeah. how I am being Brandon Staley. That's how I want to go out. Like I'm not going to go out trying to, you know, take ticky tack plays down the field and just hope that everything bounces our way. Like Staley has talked about it. Like they want to grab it. Like they're going to be aggressive. They want to go after it. And that's the part that I think has to change this year is they have to put their pedal to the metal when they have the opportunity to so many times last season especially we saw them get up or stay behind and they just could not sustain it and that's why i think where kellen moore will have a big effect will be like we're not gonna let up like we'll run it up go look at the scores last year of some of the cowboys wins like they didn't stop they just kept going they scored a lot i think it's also the Perhaps the evolution of a leader, and we talk about in that first season, it's he's the ship. He's got not a lot of pressure on start. He doesn't have a lot of pressure on him because it's his first year. He can do what he wants because he's got that three-year kind of window. And he's going, no, nah, I'm going to call it. I'm going to go for it. My lines of communication aren't great because I'm still trying to figure out what's going on on game day. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still learning as, as a sort of a coaching team and an organization about what our identity is. And then it kind of felt in that second season, maybe he was trusting of Joe Lombardi a little bit more. He was trusting of a, a couple of those other, 
uh, coaches that he's got. And you're right, the, the, the combination with Kellen Moore, you're hoping that they're on the same page uh, due to all those reasons and, and running up the score. Let's, let's just go. Don't matriculate the ball down the field. If it's there, it's there. QJ on the slant route across the field. Give it to him and let him run. Guyton stretching the field. If I have to see one more bloody stick route on the outside when it's like <laughs> fourth, and, fourth and eight and, and Keenan Allen catches it, but he's two yards short of the first down, my Lord. Anyway, um, well, Alistair, well, Jack, well, you, you brought up a, you brought up an interesting point, and I think that's part that like we have to remember is like at the end of the day, like you, you have to be aggressive, right? But like you have to have the horses to do it. And that being said, though, like it's a healthy it's a healthy and an honest critique, and I think it's fair to say, you know, Brandon Staley, for as much as we want to give him credit, like I think one of the things you have to critique him on is sure he trusted his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. But at some point, at some point, you're watching the ship sink and you're just sitting there going down with it. Like at yeah, some point, you right. have to be like, we're not doing this. And last year, that just didn't happen. Like you watched the ship sink, especially on offense, especially in the playoffs. And he just let it go. Now, I, I'm sure he tried, I, yeah. but like that, you, you can't do that. I do, I do wonder, and I, I, and this is all hypothesis, right? We we don't know, but I do wonder if being the Joe Lombardi, being the elder statesman, Staley being the younger, they're both friends, you know. Lombardi, Sammy kind of took Staley under his wing to help you. And you you got to wonder if that's hard for a younger coach to actually walk up to a mentor and say, I'm going to take control here. It's got to be. It's that. It's got to be. Maybe. And now, you know, now we've got Staley and Kellen as the younger. So who knows? Who knows what's going there? Anyway, um, Alistair, you've been sitting there very patiently. Well done. <laughs> sitting there like this is good. <laughs> Nice and cold. It's in cold your, in Melbourne, uh, man. <laughs> cold, 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 proper and caffeinated. That's what matters. Yes. Yeah, that's all right. All right, Alistair, um, what do you want to bring to the State of the Chargers Union? Uh, oh, discussion? you've given me the lectern. You're in trouble. Uh, do, you have, do you have any other sound bites of Eminem or something like that, Jack? Because I'm, I'm thinking of channeling some Marshall Mathers and just dropping a, will the real Joey Bowser please stand up? Yes. I repeat. <laughs> Controversial topic, right? Joey Bosa, premium edge rusher. We've just kind of restructured his deal to kind of double down and say, you're our dude. You're going to be around here. He's in the middle of his prime. Trevor Sycamore from PFF recently wrote that in his opinion, Bosa is the sixth best ed edge rusher in the league. If you're just looking at some pure, pure data, his pass rush win rate was 20.2% last season, which was third best in the NFL. When he's on the field, he's a star. But he was the Chargers' lowest graded defensive player against the Jags. Mm. In that game, that mattered probably most in his career. He had those three killer penalties. We don't need to relive them, but one of them undid a Callahan sack of Lawrence on third and seven. Boza had jumped off sides. That led to a touchdown. Then we had two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, slamming his helmet into the ground. We had the behavior arguing with Eagles fans outside the ground. Even during OTAs recently in his press conference, the reporters asked him about the way last season ended. He didn't want a bar of those questions. Oh, come on, guys. Can't you ask us about this season? It's a new year. He almost got angry again. So my question is, who is the real Joey Bosa? And I like to think about this anecdotally or like maybe hypothetically. Let's paint a picture. 
It's the AFC title game this year. Chiefs versus Chargers in Kansas City. It's third and eight in the fourth quarter. Ball is snapped. Which of these things is most likely? Joey Bosa jumping off sides. Joey Bosa tries to sack Mahomes and Mahomes evades him and scrambles for a first down. Or Bosa getting that sack, stripping the ball, charges, pick it up and go through the Super Bowl. I'll put it to you. Which is the real Joey Bosa there? Is he a star or should the team have been looking to trade this expensive piece? I'm going to go with secret answer number uh, four and say that it's Eric Kendricks up the middle for us. Now. Yes. And that would be correct. Ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding. No, um, I mean, in that circumstance, I mean, if you're just putting out those three scenarios, the most likely thing to probably happen is that Mahomes evades like he evades everybody. But if, if you, I guess the, the last part of your question. Basically, yeah, it doesn't should, need to be specific, the, Jake. Yeah, talk should about, the, like, should Bosa. the Chargers yeah. have traded Joey Bosa? No. And I know that when some people may look at his contract situation and obviously what happened last year, you know, maybe from a mathematical standpoint, does not make sense? But no, because when you look at the rest of the Chargers roster, obviously you're still bringing in a Khalil Mack who, granted, played great for the Chargers under the circumstances last year, but is not getting any younger. And even Dan and I went into this as we were breaking down the positions of uh, each position last year. We thought that the edge group was the riskiest position going into last yeah. year because all you had was Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Chris Rump, and you basically had Kyle Van Oy who was playing that hybrid linebacker edge role for you. And there wasn't much depth behind that. Now they're in a little bit better shape this year. Obviously, Joey Bosa's healthy, Khalil Mack's back. And then, of course, you go out and you draft Joey Tupelotu to help shore some of that edge rushing uh, edge rushing depth that you have. But it's still, it still could use a little bit of power behind it. So, But when you're talking about when Joey Bosa is on the field and healthy, you know, you go, went back to that Jacksonville game. I still think that he was not fully recovered from the groin injury no, that put him no, out for no, four no, months. No, so as far as the effectiveness goes, I don't think that we should have expected the world. Was it great to have him out there? Sure. But we shouldn't have expected the Joey Bosa that we would have seen from week one of the season. So from that circumstance, as you said, when Bosa's on and he's healthy, he's one of the best. And we just unfortunately didn't get to see the duo of him and Khalil Mack for the duration that we should have. That's still a question mark. Like literally the Raiders game, was about it. We Which got was five, we had, we had was five sacks in that game Incredible. in week one. And yeah. it was great. And we we're like, okay, this is the defense that we're talking about. This is what we were all hyped for at the beginning of the season. If you can get back to a little bit of that and have a combination now of Thule solely coming off the edge as a speed rusher, maybe mix in a little bit of Morgan Fox on the edge, your edge group and your overall pass rush is going to be better. And when that's better, that's going to in turn affect the next two levels of your defense, namely at the linebacking position and the, at the quarterback position. So should the Chargers have traded Joey Bosa? No, I, I don't think so. I think they're in a great position with that. I know the contract numbers don't necessarily say that or reflect the play, but in terms of what you have and what is able to get out there in the market, it makes sense to keep Joey Bosa 1,000%. But, but, don't, but don't get it twisted. Okay. Oh, here we go. A couple things. <laughs> hey, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking Jake's pessimistic side here for a second. Okay, bravo. Um, good shit for good for you. You need to have few, this come out more. A few more. things. One, if we're being honest, the depth on the edge is no better than it was last year. 
last year, basically, it's Kyle Van Noy subbed out for Tuli Tupelo 2. Everything else is the same. And let me ask you guys, if it was Tuli or Kyle Van Noy on the edge, who are you taking? So at this point, it's marginally the same, roughly. Mm. Um, Second. Will the real Chris Rumpf play stand up? Thank you. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Joey Bosa's kind of had, and some of this is a criticism on Tom Telesco, Joey Bosa really hasn't had a running mate on the opposite side since Melvin Ingram. And so when Joey Bosa is getting double and literally triple teamed, it's hard to be effective. And yet he still has done pretty good. Now, also being held. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, he finally gets his running mate in Khalil Mack. And then, bam, he's gone. And he has been injured. You know, we heard a lot of talk about, like, he hasn't even been able to bend over because of the groin injury. Like, he was hurt. And this is the healthiest he has said he's been in years. And so, will the real Joey Bosa, you know, please end up? Like, I... I think this year is the closest you will have to see a real Joey Bosa. And the good news is now you are able to have a Kyle Van Noy replacement in a Tula two below two without losing the linebacker interior side, because you have added a day on Henley because you added an Eric Hendricks because you have more interior pressure now that you didn't have last year. So that kind of allows people to be more specifically loaded on the edge. So I think you're going to see it, but again, like it's, there's only so much he can do if he's either a not healthy or B getting triple teamed. So the, the week 18 was a bad look for Joey Bosa. Like I think he would admit it. Everyone would admit it. I do understand his, a little bit of, um, I don't know, the frustration that you probably are alluding to with him answering the questions about last year, because I think a lot of players and you heard Derwin James talk about it, like they're over it. And as much as you want to use it as fuel, like at some point... Yeah, but a lot of players didn't slam their helmet on the ground. Agreed. And then do that. And and I I don't think media have had a chance to ask Bosa that since the season because no one asked in the locker room. So that was their chance. Do you want to talk us through last season? And he said, absolutely not. (laughs) Right, which which like I'm sure behind closed doors, like they had some conversations. Because in that same argument, there's not a lot of teams that blow 27-point leads either. So the frustration's naturally going to come out. I get yeah. that. And, and it's unfortunate that Joey probably copped it because he was the one in a critical moment of the game, gave away the penalties. And also there was so much pressure on him. And, 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 and with, with Joey Bosa, I've, I've always said, keep him because the contract is fine for us. We can, this is the year that we go for it. And we have a look at the end of um, next season and see what we do with contracts and things. But the rod that Bosa builds for his own back, because you've made a great point, Dan, of saying that he hasn't had a running mate since Melvin Ingram. And even then Ingram wasn't the most effective pass rusher is that you see and the the motor that Joey has and he plays with is insane. He has been going from zero to 100 every single time he's getting held. And the way he pursues opposition running backs and quarterbacks is insane. He's the guy that just goes and goes and goes and goes. It was really interesting watching last year how Khalil Mack plays the game. It's, it's slightly different. Khalil Mack has that raw power and it doesn't seem like he's trying as hard, but he just gets into the right position. So what I'm hoping is with the tandem is that they Joey might not have to go at 100% all the time to try and get the sack. 
or hopefully our run defense is better, which means the edges aren't compromised and he doesn't have to chase five or six meters or yards and then do a diving tackle, get hit in the pack as there's a pile on of players. So yeah, I, I have a feeling that this tandem, what we should have seen last year is what we're going to get this year. It's, it's, it's lack- interesting. And I think it's important. And I didn't mean to shut you off. I think it's just important right. that the part that is so hard to accept is at the end of the day, if the team can stay healthy, this defense, that, that tandem we're talking about on the edge, the corners, the safeties, linebackers, if they can stay healthy, they're going to be just fine. Yeah. It's all health. It's all health. Like DJ can most stay, teams can't yeah. say that, but if the Chargers can stay healthy, they are Super Bowl contenders, period. It seems like we say that every season, but anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the so off season. It's the off season. All right. I think that's that sort of puts. I think. Does anyone else have anything they want to bring up really quickly until we move on to our next segment? Or where uh, is that the union of the charges discussed? I, I just want to say one thing, Dan Wilkinson. I am so proud of you. If this is the beta test for your pessimism, my friend, oh, holy crap! <laughs> you need to bring this out more often. It is so welcoming to hear this side of you this often. I know you've done it like you know, eh, you know, a little bit here and there. But come on, man. This was great. I like it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for, thank you for having, uh, using us as the platform where you can get that out, Dan. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. We, can, we, we charge about 300 hours in these sessions. So, yeah, Bringing out right. the dark side. <laughs> yep. Okay. So let's get into some more lighthearted stuff now. Uh, we're going to jump into a segment called Just Give Me 30 Lightning Bolt Edition. So I've cooked up some questions for Dan, Jake, and Alistair, and each will receive uh, two topics from the list that they have looked at. And I've also got a hidden list, which they have not looked at before. So they're going to have about 20 or 30 seconds of uninterrupted uh, speaking time to think and see what they come up with. You will hear this sound, gentlemen. When about 20 or 30 seconds is up. And that Mm. is a, you stop what you say, and then we have a little bit of a response. Okay, sound good? Sounds Sounds great, rock. Okay. All right, Jake, I'm going to throw you the first one. Uh, I'm going to give you a bit of a layup and a positive one, let's say. How is Staley a great coach and leader? Go. You know, it's very unique with Staley. And and you kind of got that through like his first year, just as far as the way that he interacted with the media. But when you see him out at a training camp and you just see how personable he gets with his players, the time that he spends with them on the sidelines, just talking about game planning, doing whatever, building them up. I think that he is one of the most personable coaches that the Chargers have ever had. Now, regardless of record and what that may say, it can obviously get better. But in terms of what makes him a great leader is how personable he gets with each one of his players. Perfect. Personal. Love it. All right, Dan, another, another bit, of a, bit of a layup here as well. How do you think Quinton Johnson will be used most effectively this year? Ooh, uh, you mentioned at the top, crossing routes, slant routes. Um, I think it's important to allow him to use his quickness. I think that's one of the things that he stands out with across the entire draft class for his height, size, the quick, the quickness, twitchiness, his yak ability, all that's important. Obviously, you want to see him go deep down the field, take the top off the defense. But I think those slant routes, crossing routes, get defenses questioning which way they're going to go. Imagine him, Darius, going side by side. Woo-wee! Woo-wee. Alistair, I'm going to throw you this one because you are a bit of a critic of this man. But what are some attributes that make Tom Telesco an effective GM? 
Why? <laughs> That's my answer. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The NFL's made up of first and second round picks. You've got to hit on those first and second round picks, right? And we've seen a development of Telesco. Early days, it was guys like DJ Fluker and Verrett and Atau Chu. Didn't work out so well. But how about more recently? Boza, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Derwin James, Justin Herbert, Rashawn Slater, Zion Johnson. He's hitting where it matters early in the rounds. And I like the way that he generally structures contracts too. Jack, I'm interested to hear what Alistair thought of this year's draft. Yeah, I thought... Uh, look, we were a little questionable about our, the first round pick, I've got to say. Now we're seeing a lot of Quentin Johnson out there. I think everyone's excited about what he could bring, but I think we were generally in the trade-down bucket, try to maybe address tight end, as Dan had pointed out. But now when you look at who the players were, I think the first three picks in particular could age pretty well because Tooley could develop. I think Quentin Johnson has it in him to be a, a very good receiver, and Henley too. So I think it could age well. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go back to Jake. How can Justin Herbert take the next step this year? I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm doing wash, rinse, repeat here, but it's one Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is going to get him to the next level of success. You already see it in practice with his mechanics changing. Looks like his release is a lot higher because for whatever reason, for a six, six foot six quarterback, he has some of the most batted down passes most frequently in the NFL. I still don't understand how that works, but you change those mechanics. You come up with an offense that is ultimately going to allow him to go downfield, use that cannabis and arm he, he has and make this offense more multiple and balanced with the run game it's going to make him a much bigger success all Honestly, right with that i'm gonna add on top of it i don't know how familiar you guys are with madden but like i want to see like all madden like yeah, Justin yeah, Herbert. That's right, like i want to yeah. see like oh was it oh four oh seven michael vick madden where like he four just goes four. to yep where he just goes to town takes over games like i want to see that scramble out of the pocket take over turn off the headset like just go let it rip man that's what i'm saying Where's the Justin Herbert that took that absolute lick from, was it a Kansas City linebacker? Yep. linebacker. And he just went, yep, you're on the ground. <laughs> Week you're, two. That was incredible. Not, yep. Doubt. Maybe not. Maybe not taking those big hits, but anyway, let's use yeah. the legs. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dan, you've, you've talked a, uh, a little bit about the defense. Um, what do you think is the most important position on the Charger defense? And why is that? Oof. All right. Well, I alluded to it earlier in the show. It's got to be interior defensive line. And as much as it's important for the cornerback, we'll see what happens with JC Jackson. And obviously the edge rush is important and the linebacking core is important. But if we can't stop the run, if we can't have interior pressure, defense or offenses are just going to keep running. They literally got over five yards of carry last year. If they continue that, Opposing offenses can literally just run five point something yards a clip every single time, get a first down and two downs on to the next one. Interior defensive line, I think for me, if that improves, watch out. Interior defensive line, agreed. Hopefully we don't have those injuries. Otito can come back. Austin Johnson can come back too. All right, Alistair, last one. Other than Justin Herbert, what mm. do you believe is the most important position on the Charger offense? We've talked about it a lot. It's actually offensive play caller. This is the modern NFL, right? Look at Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Andy Reid, and what they've been able to do to support their quarterbacks. And in particular, their offensive lines, if you're clever in how in the plays you call, stretch plays, boots, outside zone runs, takes a bit of pressure off the big guys up front. So it's Kellen Moore 
We've all discussed how last year the Chargers' offense was utterly predictable. First downs, two yards. Run the ball on second and third. Make it third and manageable. No, 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 no. Fuck that. Bombs away, Kellen Moore. <laughs> yes. Oh, very, very good. Okay. Uh, for the listeners, what I have actually done now, I've got a suite of questions, that I went and trolled the internet and found some of the more interesting questions that uh, teams have asked their draft prospects in the interview process. Some of these are a little bit weird. Some of these are a little bit of fun too. So, Jake, I'm going to start. I've adapted them for the Chargers um, uh, organization, our fandom. But first one. So this is unseen as well. So this is purely off the cuff, ladies and gentlemen. If you could choose only one player to have dinner with that has played for the Chargers, who would it be and why? This is tough. You know, you think about some of the biggest personalities of the Chargers. Obviously, Philip Rivers comes to mind. I think dinner with him would just be awesome, just picking his mind about the history of the team. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, the characters you know, like the Sean Phillips, the Sean Merriman's of the team. How about Jamal Williams? Ooh. It would actually just be a Ooh. treat to, to eat dinner with him just to see how much he would eat. Yes. You know, that, 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 would, be, that would be a spectacle within itself. Um, Derwin would obviously be a great one to pick his brain. Uh, I mean, Dayon Henley, as much of a personality oh, yeah. as he has, and he hasn't even played an NFL snap thus far this season. Those are just a few that come off my head, but... Dinner with some of those guys would be fun. Nick Hardwick would be epic, by the yeah, way. The stories yeah, that he would have. Yeah, he'd have he'd have some amazing ones. Um, I like the I like the Jamal one. Yeah, just how much he could eat. Oh, all right, Dan. This is this is this is a really interesting one. Oh, I'm nervous now. He put the, this is interesting. Here we go. Okay. In 30 seconds, how many players on the Chargers roster can you link to an animal? E.g., Joey Bosa as the bear. Your 30 seconds starts now. Oh, my now. goodness. Okay. Um, all right. So, Justin Herbert, you got the duck. So, Oregon. Nice. Um, so, wide receiver, Keenan Allen, uh, Cal Bears. All right. We're good there. Um, tight end, Gerald Everett. Nope. Nothing there. Um, wow. That's a tough one. It's a hard Animals? One. Yeah. Eric Animals, yeah. Man. Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, Khalil Mack up the prowl. Probably Ooh. like a bear. Um, Joey Big Bear, you mentioned it. That's an easy one. Um, wink, wink, Jake, Dan. Two of the draft picks. Come on. I mean, I would go like Roadrunner for, for yeah. Darius Davis. Good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that wasn't my thought, but you were on the right track with who I was talking about. Go ahead, about. Jake. Help me out. Tag me in. I was just saying horn yeah. Frogs, dude. You, like, you could have gone easy. Okay. Two for one right there. I got three for one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what okay help me out what other ones would you have done i would have loved this throw back at the host here we go derwin james i would have gone badger like sort of like the honey badger i would have gone derwin james the badger i would have gone um i would have gone austin eckler jackrabbit because he's that jackrabbit he can sort of move around i might have gone um for a for ray sean slater i might have gone a hippo Sort of like really sort of doesn't doesn't look like he's doing too much, but is one of the deadliest animals in yeah. Africa. He'll kill you. Yeah, there you go. Those were a couple. Um, and for, for your information, Dan, that was actually a question they asked. Um, I don't remember the player, but they asked a quarterback and they had to the quarterback had to look around the room and actually point at everyone in the room and give them a uh, give them a, an animal and why. Very, very Ooh, okay, very that's a fun question. complete side tangent. That's a fun question. All right. So um Alistair. 
look at the three other boxes here. What animals are we? <laughs> oh dear, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm leaving that. I'm leaving that right alone. Not doing it. I'm actually interested. Yeah, I'm very I'm curious. actually really interested to hear that. Well, you're not being drafted, Alistair. So there we go. I'm out. <laughs> Okay, uh, Alistair, this, yes. is, this was asked of Cam Newton in his Oof. 2011 uh, draft interview. Uh, I'll give Cam Newton's answer after it, but the question is quite simple. Would you rather be a cat or a dog and why? Your time starts now. I would rather be a dog, I think, because cats, cats are kind of reclusive, independent animals who you know don't need anybody else and they, they're maybe self-focused, egotistical, some might say. Whereas the dog is man's best friend. And Alistair actually means helper of mankind, apparently. So my mum told me. So I love people. I've got the Italian background. I'll go the dog. Okay. Um, I'm would, not drafted. I, I, wouldn't, I, don't, I didn't think I was going to say this, but uh, Cam Newton was actually smarter in the answer there, Alistair. And he said, yeah. I see myself as more of a human being. So there okay. we go. That's how he answered it. Smart man. That's how the box. Yeah. Yeah, peak Cam Newton was good fun to watch. Okay, I'm going to throw this to both both you, Dan and Jake. This was asked of Jaguars draft pick Chris Smith. And he said it was one of the weirdest questions that he was ever asked in his round of interviews. So, in 30 seconds, could you please tell me how many ways you could use a brick? Well, Jerry Rice used it for a football when he was coming up. Uh, that's one. Obviously, you use it for a wall. Um, I'm sure John Wick used one of them to <laughs> take care of some people. Um, I'm trying to think. Dan, come on. Get in this. You can, okay, you can use that as like a basketball shot that goes horribly wrong. <laughs> Probably Jake on a – yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Literally brick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can use brick. Just take out. Just add an R. You got. Well, no, that's not. That's not good vocabulary. I was thinking brick from Disney, like twenty years ago. It didn't work. Oh yep. Yeah yeah yeah. You just wait. Alistair was Come on, one more. Wait, wait, is a one good more. one. One more. One more. Damn. That's a hard one, isn't it? Again. I could just build one and throw someone through it. There you go. There you go. Like Kool Aid, like Kool Aid, like Kool Aid Man, yes, like Kool Aid Man. (laughs) But yeah, and that's then he said. So this is the quote: The Cleveland Browns asked me how many ways you could use a brick. That he got a minute. Said Jaguars draft pick Chris Smith. That was probably the weirdest question that was asked to me. But everyone else was kind of easy going. They want to see how much of a student of the game you are. Now, I'm not sure how many ways you can answer using a brick is shows you as a student of the game. But anyway. Um, yeah, interesting. That's it. That was give me thirty. That, you did really, really well, guys. That was fantastic. Good fun. Thank you, thank you. That was I was like right. sweating over here. That was tough. Yeah, yeah. the animal and one got, got me. The animal one. I was like, I have no clue where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, there was some very when I was doing the research. There were some really inappropriate questions that that came up as well, uh, and I, I won't repeat them here. But stuff I'm going that would never fly in 2023. But it must be such a pressure moment for these kids essentially that are being asked by these older guys and just being put under the pump so kudos to anyone that goes through that process and and all the players that play in the nfl you're incredible alistair we've reached the time we've reached the vaunted thunder down under australian quiz now if you thought those questions were hard dan and jake these my 
be quite challenging. To be honest, a score of one is pretty good this this year. So <laughs> we're starting um, these are all the baseline, real low uh, okay. trivia. And Australian... <laughs> Alistair, I will let you go first. What is your first Thunder Down Under quiz question? Yes, and to set the scene, you'll receive four questions. And last week, uh, the boys from Guilty as Charged got one correct out of four. So, Do we get a tag two... team on this? Do we get a tag no, team? No, they're, they're individual. Oh, which are, uh, well, at least mine are. Yeah. Jack can, can answer for himself. But which of you two would like to go first? Jim. Dan's going to go first. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay, you're neither of you getting it. drafted. I'll take, okay. I'll take it. Yeah, neither of us are All right. drafted. I think this is quite a fair question, actually. So, uh, according to some random article in the in- on the internet that I found, can you name three of Australia's top ten richest actors over the course no. of their career? Actors no. or actresses? Dan, you should know one. Come on, you should know one. I no, okay. I'm. This is totally a question for Jake. I'm gonna pass this off to Jake because he's okay. You can pass yeah, it to Jake. I'm passing. This can be Jake. I'm passing. Jake, you got this. This is totally a you question. So there are 10, 10 Australian actors. Name three, and you'll probably be right. Is my I guess. probably I'm probably not gonna get three, but Hemsworth just comes right off. Hemsworth the is is yes. tick. Um, that's all I got. Honestly, okay. I don't give, even know other Alistair? Australian actors. Uh, okay. Yes. How about the the Oscar awarded film Gladi- uh, Gladiator. Oh, Russell oh Crowe. Okay. Russell Crowe. Yeah. The- and what about Big Little Lies, Moulin Rouge, The Hours, The Others, Eyes Christina Wide Christina Aguilera. Shuts. No. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> no, bro. Wolverine. What about Wolverine? Wolverine as oh. well. Yeah. Um, oh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Hugh Jackman okay. is in there. Okay, I can't pay that. All right, we're, we're zero from one. <laughs> On to you, Jack. Okay. Uh, so who, who would like to take this, Dan, Dan or Jay? Okay, I'll go back this to you, me. Dan. This is okay. me, all right. Uh, this is about one of our famous cities that's not Adelaide, where I live, or Melbourne, where Alistair lives, but quite a very famous shape. The elongated arch shape of Sydney's Harbour Bridge has led locals to give it a nickname after what item you might find in a closet. And there's three options here. You've got A, coat hanger, B, shoehorn, or C, tie rack okay so before you even gave me the options i was gonna say hanger and then you said Same. shoot and then he said hanger and i was like oh okay so a bridge that looks like one of those things it was shoehorn hanger and what was the other one tie rack oh i guess i can see tie rack because you got a little watch oh this is 30 33 um i'm gonna go with my gut and i'm gonna go with the hanger Ding, 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 ding. Well Hell done. yeah, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. That is the, uh, the Sydney Harbour Bridge is one of the longest spanning arch bridges, or was at the time when it was built. Uh, so there you go. Nice job, Dan. That was supposed well to be done, my Dan. question. <laughs> Reluctantly passed me off the, uh, the, the Australian actor question. Appreciate you got a third of a point. You got a third of a point. I'll take Dan, you, you can stay in the hot seat, Dan. So this is uh, my question to you. In Australian slang language if you were called one of these things by somebody which would indicate that they like you you've got four options a a bludger b a ripper c a bogan or d a drongo which indicates they like you bludger ripper bogan or drongo Go ahead, Dan. I think I'm. I wait. Wait, is this Jake or is this me? It's you. Oh, 
You can okay. share it though. Up to you. It, okay, so I'm gonna go through my process of elimination. So, mm. like, he, here we go. The first one, th- this is Bludger. There's no way. Like that just sounds like something that someone would hate. Um, okay, the second one, the Ripper. I'm kind of that's what I'm feeling most confident for right now. Um, although that could also be taken negatively, so I might hold off on that. What was the third okay. one? Bogan. See, that just. Maybe this is the American in me, but that just sounds like bogus. It just sounds terrible. Like, I, imagine being called a bogan and be like, "Ooh, yay! Thank you so much." Okay, and then the next one what was it? What was the last Dro- one? Drongo. Okay, no way. That sounds like a like an animal that is gonna be eaten by the, I don't know, kangaroo or something up in your neck of the woods. Um, I'm gonna go with it's either Ripper or it's this third one. Bogan. But Bogan is also like kind of humble. Like if you named your child Bogan, like fast forward twenty years, you feel sorry for him. Um, I'm gonna go Bogan. I'm going off of the deep end here. Oh go man, you took yourself away is from the ripper? right answer. Follow your gut. Follow your gut. A ripper is someone who's fantastic. A bludger is someone who's lazy. A bogan is someone who's not very sophisticated, kind of like a redneck. <laughs> and a drongo is a fool. Damn it, that's what I get for not going with my gut. All right, come on. Look, you've got one more chance to get catapult okay. yourselves above guilty as judge. Final question, Jack. Throw it at okay, him. Okay, so, Jake, this is another Australian slang question as well. Don't screw this up, Jake. Do not so, screw this up. All but one of these. So what you're looking for is the, the word that we don't use in Australia. So okay. all but one of these abbreviations are commonly used throughout Australia. Which one is not? So you're looking for the one that we don't say. First one is a servo. The next one, or B, is Barbie. C is rubber. D is trunk. E is darts. So which one of those words do we not use commonly in Australia? I'll say those again. Servo, Barbie, rubber, trunk, darts. Oh, my God. (laughs) I I, I, I have a question for you, Jake. Yes. Oh, mate. Or Jack, either one. Um, what could trunk be abbreviated from? Like all those other ones, like I, you you can't ask that, Dan. (laughs) I'm helping you think through this. I'm helping you think through this. Look, we have some crazy abbreviations here that don't make any damn sense. So you can't ask that question. (laughs) Come on now. Um, okay. So, um, Barbie, I'm going to say is one. What was the one that was after trunk? Darts. That seems almost too obvious, but to also be used. So I'm going to go yes on that. Okay. Oh, you, Dan, you had it. It was Damn trunk. It. Damn it. Was it. Trunk. It was trunk. You had the right process of elimination. We say boot in Australia for the boot of a car. We don't say trunk. Uh, servo is a petrol station. Barbie is a barbecue, and you would know. Rubber very famously means something very different in the United States to Australia. Uh, you guys say a razor. We use rubber. So when you can you pass me the rubber in class? I learned that when I went over to the to, to the USA in class, and I said, "Hey," to my female um, uh, guide or whatever that was helping me through. Can I have your rubber? Oh, um, so she was female. Oh my yeah, god, she was that's female, fantastic. Yeah. I was fifteen years old. <laughs> And I had no idea why everyone laughed at me and then kicked me out of the classroom. Anyway, yeah. um, 
and darts were we call we say darts for cigarettes. So Damn. there we go. So you got one out of four, but you were very, very, very close. Such bull. Hey, dude. hey man, I would have gotten your ripper question. I yes. would have had. We should have had three. That's lame. Look, we tried our best. We did our best. Jake looked well, good. Well, let's be honest. You've just you've just got to come back on, and we'll do another yep. one. Two exactly. There we go. That's how we get to two. Just do it or, or you can give us a uh, you can give us a very difficult US quiz as well. There's, there's, there's come on that. Yours. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm, okay, I'm putting you on the spot right now. All right. Um, oh, no. How many how many variations of bathroom can you come up with that is said in the US? Oh. Uh, water closet. Uh, ablush, uh, ablutions block. <laughs> no. What? No, ablutions. When you go to do your ablutions, it's when you wash. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Sorry. god! I learned that. That's where Jack goes Jack. when he's wearing a rubber. From yeah. Now on. From now on, I'm going to tell my wife that I have to make an ablution. Or yeah, yeah. Ablution? Ablution. Ablution. That's, ablution. Yes. Yeah. That's the term. Yeah. I'm use from now on. Uh, what else? Well, well, we've got toilet. You've got uh, what? Well, the crapper. The, oh, the crapper. Yeah, the crapper. Yes. I gotta go crapper. Uh, gonna go vulgar. Yes. I love the way you said crapper, too. That was excellent. Yeah, oh, crapper. The, the crapper. Yeah. Um, what else would it be? Yeah, restroom. Oh, restroom, mm. of course. Yeah, restroom is a big one. But do you, do you say bathroom as well? Mm-hmm. Do you say bathroom? Yeah, bathroom. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ba- bathroom. Uh, Alistair, are you gonna help me out at all here? Or are you oh, just come on. I, I, laughing at me? I think we've got five together. That's all right. I mean, yeah, how many I more mean, can you come good. up with, Dan? <laughs> I haven't even heard that. Yes, Dan's very creative when he's on the toilet. It's good. <laughs> just like through the, it's These like are the, the things PDF. that Dan thinks about yep. when he's making an ab- abolution. <laughs> Over or under, Jake? Well, well, what you could say is you could. we use Thunderbox as well. We, we, I'm just going to go to Thunderbox. <laughs> Thunderbox. And that's, yes. quite, that's quite apt given that this is, you know, the Thunder Down it's Under a, podcast. It's a perfect, it's my perfect, perfect over here. This is great. Perfect. Yeah. Th- Thunderbox is a good one. Anyway, that. Um, that finishes up the, the great Thunder Down Under Australian quiz. Well done, guys. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. Just before we get going, um, Dan, uh, where can we find you and what's coming up for Charges um, Unleashed? Charges Unleashed? Uh, honestly, thank you guys. This has been so much fun. This has um, been great. I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. This is excellent. Uh, you guys do amazing work. So listeners, viewers, like you got a good one in Jack and Alistair and the team. So like, be thankful. Um, find us. Find me at Dan W Sports. Uh, LAC underscore Unleashed is where you can find Charges Unleashed on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're everywhere. Um, we just did an episode on kind of the impact of JC Jackson and his return, which is insane to me that we're still able to see that. Uh, otherwise, you know, got the the dark days here for the next month where there isn't going to be much in terms of highlights from the team. So we're going to try to do our best to kind of keep things light, keep things entertaining. Um, come on over and check out Charges Unleashed. Awesome. Jake, anything? Where, where can people find you? It's funny. I'm so used to Dan like signing off the podcast by saying my tweet and basically just handling all my credentials that it's like it's weird. It's like, oh yeah, where where am I at again? What is oh, it again? My yeah. Name? Oh yeah, what is life? exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, the so, real Jake Hefner. Please stand up. Yes. Uh, so you can find me at Jake T Hefner on Twitter. As Dan mentioned, um, 
it's been actually a great week just covering the last couple of days of the mandatory minicamp for the Chargers. As he mentioned, the J.C. Jackson piece. I know next week we are looking at um, two additional guest episodes that we are looking at. Uh, again, the droll dums of between now and the end of July before training camp officially kicks off. Kind of got to get creative. So I think that also means that we need to have Thunder from Down Under join Chargers Unleashed at some point. You guys come on to the show. which would be Lock great. it in. Yes, Let's please. do it. Lock it in. Awesome. Alistair, uh, do you want to do the sign-off for us as well? Yeah, sure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, all the good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at TDU underscore Chargers. We'll welcome back Andy, our regular host, next week, or next episode. Sorry, Jack, you've done an excellent job as fill-in host. And thanks again to Jake and Dan. What a fantastic show. We'll see you all next time on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. See you, guys.